Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Hey there. Welcome once again to yet another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks as always for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, you know what to do. Just go to the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. You gain access to commercial free listening, bonus episodes, and a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. All right. Um, I have a, uh, a daily show on a terrestrial radio station here in uh, the, the greater Toronto area. And um, I had a, a gentleman on the show, I'm thinking it might have been six months ago. He was um, sort of uh, presented to me or pitched to me by uh, A.J. Rice at Publius Press, and they, they bring me tremendous guests. I really like A.J. Rice. Anyway, so he pitched me on, um, on this guy, uh, a, a country music artist by the name of Derek Johnson. And uh, there was something happening in the news. I can't remember exactly what, what it was, but he said, Derek Johnson can, you know, talk to you about whatever it was, that we were, something in the U.S. Maybe it had something to do with one of the indictments against Trump or something. Anyway, he came on and he went off like a rocket ship on rails um, talking about how the um, – you know, the 26 elect, 2016 election, or sorry, the 2020 election was, you know, a fake and a fraud, which I certainly subscribe to. Plenty of evidence for that. Um, and then talked about all of these clues pointing to the fact that Donald Trump was still in charge. He was still the president of the United States or the commander in chief. Uh, and that this, you know, trust the plan. We've heard that. So many times, trust the plan. It's all going to work out. And um, he's still in control. And, uh, you know, we'll soon be back in office. And, and it's going to usher in, you know, the greatest time ever known on earth. Trust the plan. So I wish I had seen this documentary that we're going to talk about tonight before I had met and spoke with uh, Derek Johnson because uh, it's directed by my guest, Nick Alviar. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth. And it really, well, it's based on the work of Derek Johnson, who's not only a country music performer, but he's also a, a veteran. And um, we're going to get right into that right now. Nick Alviar is 
as I say, the director of this film. He's a filmmaker, musician who's made 26 full-length documentaries in the last year alone. My word. That's, there's prolific and then there's ridiculous. I mean, 26 films. His journey starts six months prior to COVID in a near-death experience, which led him to pursuing his childhood dreams and hobbies, turning his focus from music videos to documentaries. Nick's company, Good Lion Films, exploded in April 2020 after being deleted off of YouTube. He created a new home for his work, goodlion.tv, and his visions of the future include building the new wave of Hollywood cinema, a red pill music and film festival, and bringing Good Lion TV to 100,000 plus people. Nick Alviar, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. That was a great intro. That was fantastic. Well, I, uh, I'm about 40 minutes in and I got to go back and, wa- and, and watch The Greatest Show on Earth. But first, um, just tell me a little bit about uh, Derek Johnson. I mentioned, you know, country music performer, uh, ex-military. Uh, but tell me, because uh, your documentary is based on his work. Just tell me, uh, give me some more insights about how Derek Johnson knows all of this stuff when we're talking about military justice and, and, uh, and, and all of these executive orders that we'll get into. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just to let you know, um, the film came out like, I'd say 25 days ago. So it's all in time. Um, I'm sure you would have watched it if it came out sooner. So Derek has been around for about two and a half years. And, and the thing I find about Derek that's different than others, he's very, um, meticulous when it comes to looking at detail and he's really good at reading military documents. So, he spends a lot of his time on .mil and .gov websites understanding executive orders. I don't know how he's had the time to do it, but when you go to his website, it's uh, it's called thedocuments.info. You, you get a lot of his blueprints, a lot of his documents that he's typed up. And just looking at that, you, you have the idea like, how did he, how much time did he put into all this? And so... When I met Derek, I was go- I was set to make a documentary just about him, not really about his work. And then I, I'm a J sixer by the way, and I've gone to jail for my for my actions regarding January six. I filmed the whole thing. We can get into that later. But um, just before they brought, they took me to jail for the second time is when I had a meeting with Derek, and I, and I just completely immersed myself in his work. And to be honest, I, I used to truly believe in this plan that we had and then j6 happened and then all this ptsd after all that happened and i started to give up on it all and it wasn't until my documentary from earlier this year with the brunson brothers who have sued congress and have gotten pretty far and um and then meeting derek that i completely realized whoa there's so much here that i had not seen and and now i'm a believer and so, yeah, Derek's really good at the executive orders, devolution, all these things that point to um, what you could call a, a secret government that's that's being in, um, enacted. And what we're seeing is also why it's called the greatest show on earth. It's because a lot of the things we're seeing are meant to play out, to create a sense to the public of how bad it actually is so that when things get fixed, they won't oppose it. And right now, supposedly, Joe Biden is under under the control of Trump. And there's many clues to that in the film. There's a few we can go into. But even just surveying what Biden is doing now is not what Biden of 10 years or five years ago or even three years ago would be doing. Right. In and fact, I think it's, you know, they just uh, they're just they're building the wall again. Uh, and we'll we'll maybe get into that. And of course, he's saying, well, I still don't believe walls work, but uh, it's out of my hands because the money's been allocated by Homeland Security and I can't do anything about it. Nobody believes that. Um, anyway, I think maybe we should, as you do in the film, go back uh, and get it. Get us a, a crash course on um what changed in America, specifically with the Constitution and Americans' relationship with their government vis-a-vis the 1871 Act? Would yeah, so the eight start. Yeah, that's the Organic Act, and that's how we open up the movie. And it shows how the government uh, changed their constitution 
And I believe it's the Constitution of the United States of America became the Constitution for the United States of America in full caps is what it transitioned to. I might have the terminology swapped, but it was in that scenario that D.C. was given its um, its own government. And that's when we were tricked out of what we initially had in our constitution. And then a new constitution was laid over it. And that's where you get the USC codes that govern a lot of the laws that we're, we're under. And so most people have no idea because most people don't even learn about history. So if you go all the way back to 1871, the Organic Act starts there. And then that set the framework for years of control that we're still under. And and I felt like the movie was going to best be told through a chronological series of dates. And, and that's what you see throughout seven acts. Starts out with 1871 Act, and then it goes into Richard Nixon taking us off the gold standard where you once could take your dollar and, and go to a Federal Reserve Bank and get gold or silver for it. You, once Nixon came along and a few instances before that, you, you weren't able to do that. And, and now look at where we're at with inflation. Uh, it's pretty insane. So the the creation of what some people refer to as the administrative state, or some people call it permanent Washington, or some people call it the deep state, um, really begins with 1871 and pulling a fast one on the American public through the creation of the District of Columbia as its own sort of separate um, jurisdiction. Uh, they changed the, or the Constitution, and basically that relegated American citizens as like chattel in a corporation, right? They're just like furniture in an office building. They don't have rights. They're, they're the property. They don't have, they don't own anything. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that, that takes us into a conversation of what it's like to be an American citizen or a, a sovereign citizen. Right. Uh, yeah. Because there used to be a time where you didn't have to have a license to drive on the, on the roads, but they see us as, as, um, product. So like if you're driving on a freeway, you need a license because you're moving around product and that's us. You know, when we're born and we sign, uh, your mom signs a birth certificate and that, that bond is then traded on the stock market. So we are, are money symbols to the system that they end up trading. Me going to jail for January 6th is where, where I learned a lot about this. Being that every day in jail, they take money from our own estate that we have, that our bond from birth that's traded and gained over years and years. There's a lot of interest being made and they're trading that. They take money from our own. And and that's where Nasara Jasara comes in and these other theories about what could happen eventually with us getting that money back. But that's a whole other rabbit hole. Right, right. Yeah, there are lots of rabbit holes to be discussed. Um, so the idea that uh, Trump decided when he was going to run in um, in 2015 or when he announced coming down the uh, the escalator in 2015 that his job was to destroy permanent Washington, destroy the uh, the deep state. And uh, we'll get into the, um, the Military Justice Act. And uh, I think there are three executive orders, 13818, 13848, 13912. Um, but let's, let's talk about, um, there's also something else that you talk about in the film, and that's called uh, white male, which is kind of the opposite of black male. And Trump decided he was, he was going to use white male. And you'll explain what that is in order to enlist, um, world leaders, um, I guess people in the military, others, uh, in his cause to dismantle the deep state. But what exactly, how does this white male work? Let's say, um, Let's say there's a local task force that's trying to take down a big drug ring and they find a few lower minions who are selling drugs for someone bigger up on, on the, uh, the, the totem pole. With these uh, lower individuals, they're going to catch them and then they're going to release them. And under other circumstances, you would normally take them and jail them. So the concept of white male is, hey, we got you. Now you you have the opportunity to do the right thing. And if you agree to play ball with us, then your crimes are going to be less because we're taking down the big fish here. 
So we're going to put a, a, a device on you that we can hear you breathing. And we're going to have even a kill switch on you that if you decide to sway from this contract, we could kill you. Now, that's as far as I've heard it goes with many people that I remember when COVID happened, there was a lot of speculation of celebrities with these ankle monitors. Yes. It, it, it's almost like they were sent back into the sea and and we learned a lot more about what was going on from that activity. That's the way I that's the way I understand it. So Trump uh, allies with the military, uh, something called the Alliance of World Generals, the UN Security Council, and they understood they had four years beginning in 2016 to drain the swamp and uh, free the world from one world government. So. Trump does something first, though, to protect the public. Um, he explain how this works. Now he he um, places America under something called oh, it becomes a corporation, and his plan is to bankrupt the corporation. Explain how that works. Um, well, I, I would say first, though, it was the military that selected Trump. Ah, okay. And yeah, military selected Trump, knowing. Um, that he couldn't be bought. He's already made so much money. I don't think it's um he he seemed to fit the bill and for quite some time I think they were eyeballing him. And it could be as far back as to when he was born. There's some theories around that. But um Trump coming in was around the same time just before he came down the golden escalator, the Military Justice Act uh, was had a reform. It was updated and it took a lot of um, military law from all over the world and updated it. Particularly, uh, a big part of it was that they were differentiating civil laws and then military laws. So those in the military would, would fall under different punishment than those who are just civilians. And so that, that set the stage for the beginning and, I, and it seems that because before, when America was just being founded and for years after, the military was had more importance than the government. The military was there to put the government in check if the government ever got out of hand and started doing what it's doing now. And so that's why I see that the Military Justice Act was reformed to set the stage for the proper punishment that had to be laid out in the coming years. All right. And then just days after the reforming uh, of the Military Justice Act, Trump comes down the golden escalator. So, you know, the timing is is very interesting, just to say the least. OK, so let's talk about the steps Trump takes to protect the public and eradicate the deep state, placing um, uh, the U.S. under the the crown of the 1871 Organic Act. Do I have that right? No, no. Um, that part of the movie is discussing how that is what, in effect, happened with the 1871 uh, Act, is that we were placed under the crown, the whole United States. Basically, every everything we paid in taxes was going straight ah. to them. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. So he, he, he uh, became a democratic republic and became a corporation under the Crown Act? or was Anyway, how does – you explain it to me then because I have it wrong. How did Trump okay. – how did he, he plan on – protecting the American people and eradicating the, 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 the deep state. Well, we'll go with the flow of the movie. Um, by the way, the movie is almost at a million views on my rumble page, which is good line films, but there have been so many copies of the film everywhere. So it's been viewed multiple times, uh, multiple, multiple million, but okay. So after the introduction of the 1871 act, um, we start to explore the capitulation tour and the, the steps that Trump takes throughout the world that could back up this theory. And so some of the things he does is very unique to many presidents and some other presidents may have had similar honors, but under different circumstances. So what we see is Trump goes to Saudi Arabia and he's um, given a royal display through the sword dance where he gets to um, show this almost like a, uh, showing off your battle or your 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 weapons before battle. Right. This and has never been extended to anybody else prior to Trump coming to Saudi Arabia. This sword dance, right? Right. Actually, I learned bef after I made it that George Bush did have this with Saudi Arabia, but it makes sense because there's a lot of connection with 9/11, Saudi Arabia, 
Um, and, and that's why it kind of fits in that way. But uh, with Trump having it, it's under different circumstances, being that what, what the theory is, is Trump went to each of these countries with, you could say, a folder and letting let them know that, hey, we have it all. And that was their opportunity for the white male scenario. And so with Saudi Arabia, they do the sword dance. I'm not sure how different it was, but throughout this tour, you see things that are very rare to uh, to Trump. And so one is him visiting the uh, Wailing Wall. That's where he goes next. And then um, after that, they move the um, they move the um, what's it uh, embassy in uh, to Jerusalem. Right from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so then after that, he goes to the Vatican. Oh, this is very interesting. Yeah, this is very interesting because we see Pope Francis not in his typical jovial mood, as you point out, when we have when you have pictures of him and let's say Barack Obama, he's all smiles. He's all smiles. But all of a sudden now he's with Trump and he's got a very sour expression on his face like he's been given some very bad news. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then we've had people going around on podcasts and news channels to further this point that when Trump went is when we took the gold back that we, that they've had there. And I think it was, I don't remember how many planes it took to, to get all our gold back from the Vatican. And that would explain his, his sour face, his sour mood and everything that we, we have on them. And and some people might say, how do we have all this information? Later on in the film, you, we learn about what space force is all about and how Russia was the first to have, to have a, a space force and Space Force is all about collecting data. They can collect so much information. And uh, I believe that's how they knew the 2020 election was was rigged. And, and how they also knew the 2016 was rigged, but it didn't work because uh, they really had no idea that um, Trump could win. So they didn't cheat that much. So a- after the Vatican, um, I think he then heads to Asia. Uh, no, and he goes to, uh, sorry, yeah, the uh, European Union and NATO. He goes to Belgium and he acts right. like the boss man. I remember, you know, his, yeah. he was like basically putting his hands on people's shoulders and, you know, pushing people aside and walking right through saying, I'm in charge now. Yeah, it's all in the body language. You can, And that's the cool thing in the film. You get to really see, um, instead of reading it, which a lot of people have put this in post and, so this movie stems from um, um, a Twitter thread from Three Days and Three Nights. A lot of people used to follow this account. It got deleted when a lot of us were deleted. And um, this was around 2021, 2020, when this thread came out. And I remember, remember w- when I met Derek, I thought about this whole thread and thought, this needs to be interwoven with Derek's work. And and that's what spawned this whole idea of the greater show on Earth and, and how I was to present everything. So, yeah, it's really cool to, to see him bust in there acting like the boss because he is the boss. And that's when he's demanding that uh, that NATO pay their fair share of defense. Uh, and also, I guess he, he told them, you're going to stand down and you're going to let Brexit go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll take a, a quick time out, Nick. <clears throat> Nick Elviar is a filmmaker, musician. He's made 26 full-length documentaries in the last year alone. The latest is The Greatest Show on Earth. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. 
Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal, but if you want more... Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcast. The truth will set you free, 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 free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. The greatest show on earth, based on the work of uh, Derek Johnson. Trust the plan. And the plan is Trump is still in charge, the military's in charge. And uh, it's all going to work out all right. What we're seeing right now where it looks like America's hitting rock bottom. That's just, well, that's part of the show. That's just to demonstrate how to expose the rot so that we see how things are, are, are truly bad. And that once um, we get through this, we're basically um, going to be going through one of the greatest periods in uh, the earth's history. Um, we kind of skipped that. We went to the capitulation tour, which is all very interesting. And we'll get to Asia next. I mean, he did, he did a lot of traveling right after um, um, he was inaugurated in January of uh, 2017. Um, but maybe we should go just back up a little bit before he is uh, sworn in on January 7th, uh, was it 17th, Jan 17th, 2017. There's something called the Federal Continuity Directive, which happened three days before he was sworn in. Um, what is the Federal Continuity Directive? Let's see. That was setting the stage for a continuation of government that they knew they were going to establish. And that kicks in later on with the Federal uh, Directive 2. So the first one sets the tone for how they're going to to lay it out. But I'm, I'm not sure that happens just before his tour. No, no, it doesn't. It happens before he's sworn in. You're right. Federal Continuity Directive 1 happens three days before he's sworn in. And um, that has, is, that's what has, uh, that's what's devolution and reconst- reconstitution. Exactly. You want to explain yep. what that is? Absolutely. So when, when Trump's team understood that we were under attack from the inside, that means now you really have to kick up your security unlike ever before. And what you do in a situation like that is you protect your government by reducing its size because you don't know who you can trust anymore. You don't know who's a rat and who's working for a foreign government within yours, ours. Um, And so what it did in essence was 
uh, Trump had to select a very few amount of people to trust with how they were going to keep a central military or uh, government functions operating when they would go, I guess, dark, you could say. It's, it's devolution. It's, it's in essence, it's devolving their size and their and their scope, but they're keeping the the essence of the government operating. This is so they can operate and and rid this 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 team of traitors out. And, and so first they had to figure out how to do it, what they were going to do, and then later on was the part two of that uh, directive to then initiate the roles that they had developed for everybody who was part of it. So. Yeah, there's there's plenty of documentation on devolution to where there are people who've developed substacks that have been going on for quite some time. And even some series like on goodlion.tv, uh, I have um, from Dauntless Dialogue, they've created a, a series called Devolved, and that goes into it pretty heavily. But okay. in this film, we, we touch on it just like that, basically how I did Okay, so while he's in office, he's got four years. Meanwhile, the military uh, has reformed their um, the the law of war manual. Um, they're they're setting the stage with these federal continuity directives, uh, devolving the government, um, getting ready, I guess, to expose the deep state and then destroy them. Meanwhile, Trump goes on this capitulation tour to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the Vatican, and the EU headquarters in NATO, all in the month of, uh, of May of 2017, gets them, there, gets them to capitulate through white mail. In other words, they're going, to, uh, they're going to support him in his quest to destroy the deep state and uh, stave off the, um, the new world order. So I wanna jump ahead to um, I guess this, if this was the uh, the Star Wars trilogy, it would be the Empire Strikes Back, or in this case, the Deep State Strikes Back, and that takes place in October of 2017, of course, and that was that horrible Las Vegas massacre, the largest mass shooting in American history, uh, with this supposed lone gunman in uh, um, holed up in the Mandalay Bay uh, Hotel, just firing uh, at will at these concert goers. Um, so how, how do we link that shooting to the deep state? When, when Trump made it to Saudi Arabia, when he, let's say they, they must've sat down and then exchanged information. And if they, once they found out that they were on board, then Trump gave over some data and vice versa. And so, um, time went by, not, not much time at all. And there was a, uh, assassination attempt on bin salman um that trump knew about and trump had given him a heads up because um bin salman is a saudi arabian prince right. and there's also Crown another prince. saudi arabian prince yeah there's uh prince al walid who owns the top floor of the uh mgm and so the connection is that trump gave him the heads up that hey man, this is what we're learning here and it must have been through um, Intel gathered either through Russia's Space Force or through ours, even though it wasn't official yet. But then once that was spoiled, they created this whole mess. Some people say that nobody even died at that um, massacre. I'm not really too sure what to believe about it. But um, eventually later on, not not far from that day, you see a lot of the Saudi princes get arrested and their, their government gets overthrown in essence. Um, and you, you find that there were a bunch of traitors there. Hence why Al-Walid was trying to kill Bin Salman. And um, Al-Walid is, is kind of, not kind of, but he was one of the biggest investors in Silicon Valley. So he called a lot of shots over there. So, that ties in. so in essence, Trump saved uh, Crown Prince Bin Salman's life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then Bin Salman basically jails, I guess, his rivals from within the, the Saud, the house of Saud, the Saud family, including um, Al-Walid, who was uh, trying to usurp him. Uh, so now he's got Saudi Arabia on board. 
Okay, so that leads us into the um, capitulation tour number two. And this time, it is, this is in November, and he's off to uh, Asia. Something very interesting happens in, uh, in Japan. Tell me about that. Yeah, so when Trump goes and visits Japan, and if you're just looking from the outside, it might just seem like it was a regular visit. But shortly after, they decided um, something they were going to do for the first time in, history, in Japanese history, and that was they were going to um, abdicate their, their emperor. And, and that's basically firing. That's, uh, that's um, impeaching their emperor. And uh, on the record, it was because he didn't do his job well. And um, after that, you had a whole complete uh, uh, refresh of, of the Japanese uh, emperor, a dynasty. So uh, you could look at that as a, another leg of this corrupt table falling or another side of this pyramid collapsing. And... Um, and it's it's further setting the stage for for the real uh, takedown of the deep state. It's almost like you got to go through every country and every government in it, and and clear them out until you can officially reach the final boss. Right, which is what we're looking at. Then they allow President Trump to present the nation's top award to the sumo wrestling champion, which again has never never been that honor has never been bestowed upon any other dignitary. So what is that, a sign of submission? Yeah, big time, big time. Those are, those are the key symbols when you're seeing something of their um, historic uh, lineage uh, to being passed down to, for someone else to do it, a foreigner to do something that um, most foreigners never get to do is a big sign, especially in a place like Japan. So that same month, then after Japan, he's off to South and North Korea. Of course, we remember the uh, the famous visit to North Korea, where Trump uh, walks across the DMZ, basically uh, shakes King, um, Kim Jong Un's hand, and walks right into North Korea with such purpose and confidence. Again, that's that's an historical moment. What's what's really happening behind the scenes there? So what's happening behind the scenes there is before Trump makes it to North Korea, he visits South Korea. And, and just a couple of weeks before he visits South Korea, there is uh, an earthquake that happens in a, a nuclear facility in North Korea that um, sets off a reaction and kills a lot of their nuclear scientists. Now, it's theorized that Trump did this strategically before he arrived to South uh, Korea to give Kim Jong-un a, a message, um, almost letting him know not to mess with us. And, and he further backs that, that message when he's speaking to South Korea. And, and in, this, in the speech, he, he actually specifically uh, targets uh, the North Korean dictator and, and lets him know this is a different America that, that's ever existed. And, and kind of gives him a warning. And, and I think somewhere he freaked out. I think uh, I think he did freak out, and that's what enabled him to allow him to come over. I think he respected what he was saying and what he was doing, and maybe started to pay more attention. And and that's why we get to see that historical crossing over, which that was yeah, no president has done that. Right, and and then suddenly all of the North Korea's nuclear testing. Uh, well, they're testing their uh, their missiles that which 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 would eventually carry the nukes. They're, they stop all of that. They're not firing them over the Sea of Japan anymore. Um, so then, also in November, Trump is off to China to meet once again President Xi, who I believe he had met earlier at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Um, what's happening in China? There's a very symbolic dinner. He's actually uh, invited into the Forbidden City, which also has never been gifted or honored to any American president. And for him to have that is, is another sign of you can you can call it submission, but they're also you can call it they're playing ball. They also want to get rid of their deep state. There's a deep state in every government. And so, yeah, getting to dine in the Forbidden City is a huge sign. All right, we're going to take another time out. Nick Alviar, filmmaker, the greatest show on earth. Back with more of our conversation right after these.
Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Nick Alviar stays with us, documentary filmmaker, The Greatest Show on Earth. How do we screen it again, Nick? Uh, you can go to goodline.tv. This is my um, this is my platform. After I got deplatformed off of YouTube, I kept making movies. So I've got 57 movies I've made in the last three years. And that's where you can get the movies right away when I make them. I make a movie about one once a month. Um, and you can watch it on the front page. Once you go to goodline.tv, it's going to play automatically. It's going to be right on the front page. Um, if you want to stream it, you can download the app. It's the Goodline TV app. And then if you watch it on Rumble, you can just search Goodline Films and you'll see the greatest show on earth there. Goodlion.tv. Goodlion.tv. We've got the link in the episode notes as well. So we were talking about his capitulation tour, Donald Trump's capitulation tour, part two in Asia. Later, he goes to Singapore and Philippines and, um, um, at some point, uh, oh, he when he's in the Philippines, and I think he's sitting next to um, is it Duterte, the Duarte, or the president of the Philippines at the yeah. time, who's since been uh -huh. out of power. Uh, he gets criticized by the media because he's not bringing up human rights abuses. Meanwhile, that's what he was. That's precisely what he was doing, right? He was white mailing them um, to join the cause to destroy the deep state, and he was presenting them with all this information he had on what their involvement in human trafficking. Exactly. Um, to, to the outside world, they, they started to critique him and saying, look, he's so shocked on human rights violations and he's buddy, buddy with Duterte. Uh, and there's, there's, there's nothing being done. He's weak. He's just um, wasting his time out there. They didn't know what was really going on behind the scenes and, and the envelopes and folders and everything that they were showing that we had on all of them. And, and then it goes to show um, that when Trump finishes that and he comes back to America uh, is when he lays down the, the first biggest executive order. And, and that was specifically for human rights violations. So just after the Philippines, he comes back and throws out executive order 13818. And, and that's when we see him really toughen up on, on human rights violations. That's, that's talking human trafficking, child sex trafficking, and so just immediately after. Right. Uh, in, fact, he, he, proof. in fact, he declares a national emergency on human rights abuse and corruption around the world. If, you de if a president declares national, an, a national emergency, what does that mean in, in effect? It's a big deal because now you can create a whole other set of laws around what you're going to do. It, it puts us in an, an emergency state and it's, it's not thrown around lightly. Um, it gives us a lot more power in order to protect ourselves uh, as a nation. So it really steps it up a bit. Has, has Biden, since he was elected, has he reversed that executive order? Has he reversed that national emergency? This one, I don't think he has reversed this one. Um, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think he has. And there are some others that he hasn't, that he's actually kept going. The thing with when a new president comes along is they hate the other executive orders. Usually they're flip-flopping from one president to the other. So when you see Obama's executive orders, Trump comes in and immediately gets rid of them and replaces them. Right. So there's just something interesting that happens. I'm not sure with executive order 13818, but I do know with the, with the election interference and the ele election integrity, um, that one has still been left by, by Biden. All right. Um, we're not going to give everything away here. People can go uh, to goodlion.tv and watch the film. But let me just, um, a lot of people listening are, are going to say, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And the biggest what about is going to be that Joe Biden is president and he's in office. He, um, he won the election supposedly <laughs> in, in 2020. If the purpose uh, of this was to destroy the deep state. Um, why does Donald Trump sort of back away and allow Biden to 
assume office. In a way, I imagine that there was a sit down, a meeting of everyone in, in the military um, regarding the heads of the military, JAG, and then um, commanders that were thinking, what's the wisest way we can actually roll out what we need in order to do what we have to do? And I think the wisest way is there are many people who are awake, a lot of us who understand what needs to get done. But the problem is, if you do have, like we do have, um, a force within the United States that has um, established a, some, a, a form of military that's here already and, and it's ready to fight um, at, a, at, a, at a drop. And what I mean by that is, I'm just going to be blunt, liberals. There's a lot of liberals out there who are ready to get violent and tear down cities, and we've seen it. And that's from a process of, of brainwashing that we've seen through the school systems, which has trickled down from government policies. And so what, what I, the way I look at it is that there's two armies here. There's the ones who are awake and know what's going on. And then there's ones who don't really like America, but they live here. And so, um, Let's see, what, where was I getting to with this? Oh, yeah. So the best way you can get that army to not go crazy and bring the whole house down is you have to um, create policies that they actually think are coming from, from the person they want, but they're actually coming from Trump. So, like, if you do it over time, they won't even really notice what's going on. It. it it ties back to this theory that I've got that 70% of people are followers. And then you have 25% of people are the leaders. And then 5% of people are the observers. So it seems now because of the internet, the 5% observers are so smart and they're calling out these leaders that are screwing everything up that the followers are starting to follow us. And surely it's happening you're seeing people wake up from seeing the ridiculousness of the Biden administration. But then you have those who are deeper asleep who will just agree with anything Biden does. And so if you get people to support Biden's decisions, well, they're gonna, um, but they're actually Trump's, then they're, we're all going to meet up at one point that's going to benefit everybody. And hopefully they won't be so swayed and gone when it comes to that point. But the end won't be for everybody. And I think they're doing a good job at making sure there's not going to be a civil war when they pull the plug on this deep state for, for sure. Um, I just want to talk about one more thing and then we'll, um, we'll do another episode at some point because this is fascinating. Nick LVR is with us. The film is the greatest show on earth. Good TV. And that is, uh, this is something Derek Johnson mentioned when he was on my radio show and he just kind of flew past me. I didn't have time to process it, but he was talking about, Trump's, uh, uh, sorry, um, Biden's inauguration and the number of cannons, I guess they usually give, what is it, a, is it a 21-gun salute or something? And he said, that wasn't an inauguration, that was a funeral. And I'm saying, what? Can you explain yeah. what that was all about? Yeah, so there's a, a difference. And if you look at the, um, there's this, uh, what's the website? I got it here for you. There's, there's two different um, types of, uh, I guess you ceremonies. There's there's one that's the presidential salute, and then there's the the three volley salute, which is the two differences. Or one is for the president becoming inaugurated, and one is an actual uh, funeral, a, a service. And so I think it's Arlington Military, um, Arlington Cemetery uh, dot mill will show you the differences between those two. And so then when you watch the video, which I show in the film, you get to see that when Trump was president, the, 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 the ceremony he's getting is very different than what Biden gets. And then there's a lot of strangeness around that entire inauguration with Biden, where there's theories about the two different camera angles saying that they was filmed on two different days. But um, that's just, those are just on the side. The, the fact that the military was giving him a funeral service um, that's that's one of the biggest. So, most people, uh, sorry, go ahead. Most people can't can't really fathom that. But when you watch, they you see that one of the cannon shots is a dud. So they're not even actually officially 
doing the inaugur the the presidential inauguration, and then Biden swears in about I think three or four minutes before the the time the Constitution says. So that's already going against. Um, I can't remember which which amendment that's going against, but it's it's just inaccurate. There's too many inaccuracies in that whole event, and then following it. Uh, I've been keeping my eye on there's people thinking who's playing Joe Biden. If if it's not, if he's dead, who's playing him? Is it? it, it so I've looked into certain people and, and I put him in the film and for about two weeks on IMDb. And I don't know how IMDb works. If it's like Wikipedia, I have uh, at one point, my, all my 57 films aren't on IMDb. I don't even think they would allow them because they're, they're far too conspiratorial. But um, you have to go through a process. And for a while, there was a, a movie listing for the inauguration of Joe Biden. And it had Strawn Rogers, I believe is his name, in there acting as Joe Biden. Strawn Rogers. Yeah. Wow. Right? Huh. Well, when I look at video or photographs of Joe Biden, even as vice president under uh, Barack Obama, he looks very, very different. He's, he's unrecognizable now as the Joe Biden, even I remember when he was a senator. Totally unrecognizable. Um, yeah, absolutely. Completely different people. And you see a lot of wrinkles in the face and all the falling and tripping. I don't know. It just seems like it's not, it's not Joe Biden. All right. So we will, uh, direct people again to goodlion.tv to watch the greatest show on earth. And um, Nick, great meeting you. Um, nice meeting you. As you say, there's so many rabbit holes to explore. Um, we can talk about this film again and, and uh, some of your others as well. So uh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. nail salon and grocery store wait she's at the nail salon and the grocery store i'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store groceries through instacart delivered to my door i don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store 